Motherfucker, I'm awesome. No, you're not, dude. Don't lie. I'm awesome. I'm driving around in my mom's ride. I'm awesome. A quarter of my life gone by, and I met all my friends online. Motherfucker, I'm awesome. <laughs> I will run away. Hey, everybody. This is AJ, and this is the Unnecessary Podcast. <laughs> For those who are new to the Unnecessary Podcast, it's a free-flowing podcast with me and usually a guest, usually a friend, where we talk about life and philosophy and movies and music and whatever else is on our mind. The song we're listening to is I'm Awesome by Spose, and my guest today is my friend Joy. Hi. Joy, you picked the song. Yes, I did. So... A couple years ago, I was taking a, a boot camp class, um, and we would do presentations every couple of weeks, and we, well, the instructor there, he liked to have intro music for people, and this was one of the songs that I had picked, because it was definitely how I, I felt at the time. It was like, I do feel good about myself, and also at the same time, I know that I'm not, you know, the best, so... Uh, I don't know, it was, it was funny, and it's also something that I think most people haven't, most people when I play that song for them, they haven't heard it. No, I didn't, first time you played it for Yeah, me. and I was like, how do I know something, how, <laughs> it's like, my high school me says, there's no way you can be cool when it comes to music, and <laughs> that's what it means to be cool, and you know something other people don't know. Let me see when this music video, to, okay, yeah, it's within, it's about 10 years old, yeah, that's in the cool zone, <laughs> and because no one knows it. So. Yeah, yeah. That's Double it. good. Did you enjoy this boot camp class? Oh, I really loved it. Um, it was for user experience design uh, with General Assembly. And apparently the instructor that we have in Denver for that class is like the best instructor that General Assembly has. And he was fantastic. Um, and I learned a lot. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, I am a little bummed afterwards because I have not yet gotten a job. And that, and they do have like career sort of support. I don't know if I would call it counseling per se. However, they do some career coaching and um, that was good. It wasn't the right thing for me just because it didn't really address issues of mental illness and things that were getting in the way. And so having a really intense 10 week experience um, with an amazing class where I learned a lot and I met people and they were fantastic. And then kind of being more on my own and having to like look for a job and, and having my own anxieties and issues around jobs and interviewing and that stuff. So so I got uh, down in a funk. Uh, you know, my depression will sort of wax and wane and it was worse at that time. And so, yeah, it's still something that I struggle with. So I did, I, um, I do love the class. I did love it. And I think I learned a lot. Um, I just also need more support. Mm -hmm. So, and they, they're a for-profit education company and they do help their grads get jobs, you know, with that, all that career counseling and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, mental, sort of mental health and counseling was not part of their business model. Mm -hmm. So. I've also lived with depression. When did you first experience that? Uh, basically when I started my period, like oh. so I was 12. And something about the hormone changes, I was getting really depressed. And there were also some, uh, like, there were definitely some lifestyle changes that happened then, too, when I started middle school and started puberty. And um, just 
went to, was going to different schools, seeing different people. I wasn't seeing my friends really. Um, I, oh, getting up earlier to go to that and then also being a teenager. So for some reason you need to sleep in, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I would, uh, so, so that was the time that was in 1994. And I remember that, uh, sixth grade spring break so that was probably March of 1994 my sister's boyfriend at the time now her husband he was a student at CU he was a computer science major at CU so he had a server and by the magic of Boulder and Denver that's just it's the 303 area code it's a local call I mean I don't know that there's anywhere else in the country where you can have like areas like that that are kind of far apart they kind of should be maybe different area codes and yet it's a local call which you know back in the day children that was a big deal west virginia had one the whole state well i mean come on west virginia oh yeah they should should just be virginia (laughs) yeah they they should have yeah they should just have the same i think i think maybe it's one of those "Ah, virginia don't call it or west virginia don't call us we're gonna make it your your own thing you can't (laughs) you can't call out Mm. we're gonna charge you double to talk to the rest of us. Uh. Um, I had seasonal affective depression, but also I had I had mo- I had depression in my life for, mm. for periods, and mm-hmm. um, I think it's something that's really not well understood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine that a lot of people either have that or some like related mental illness. And also, I think that we're gonna evolve so much about mental illness in the coming decades. And just like how we were talking about how ways in which we advance, we were at lunch before talking about how human society advances in ways of like expanding rights to more people. I think also human, uh, human nature has, has evolved uh, to become more like universally compassionate Mm. Um, or Mm, more people have become like more white men have become, you know, who own (laughs) land have become universally compassionate and other colors of men who own land in many parts of the world. All the men. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. As a people, we are, um, yeah, becoming more universally aware. And, and, um, I think mental illness is like such a huge spectrum and also like in degrees of Mm, intensity, like, like mild anxiety or or mild depression like is mental illness so is like schizoaffective disorder mm-hmm. where like there's ghosts yelling at you so they both exist and they're different levels of severity and you could be addicted to sugar or you could be addicted to heroin and they they're both mental illnesses but clearly they're one uh has a higher survival rate or or is just easier to be functional uh mm-hmm. while going through so i think like having nuance with mental illness and like, mm-hmm. like for the first part is breaking the stigma and like mm-hmm. talking about it is not a big deal and which it is now. In, I mean, it's not a big deal anymore in society. I don't think. I mean, it's less of a big deal. I still think it's like still at least a medium deal. Right. I think you're right. And I think part of that is because we don't fully understand the degrees mm-hmm. and the contexts mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, you have a mental illness. Are you fucking crazy? Right. Are you unable to get out of bed in the morning? And like, yeah, some days you might be, Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, there's degrees of, of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah, like kind of that spectrum mm-hmm. of, in, of intensity and style. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in unincorporated Arapahoe County. Woo! Unincorporated. Wow. <laughs> <Yes>. Look out. 
<laughs> it sounds like an outlaw. <laughs> well, so there are parts of um, Arapahoe County that had been incorporated into different cities. I was just in a part that had not incorporated, and since then it has incorporated, and so now it's called Centennial. It just oh no, <laughs> I prefer it unincorporated. Right, yeah, well, so me too. Lower tax rates, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it was fine. We were fine. Well, and and honestly, the only reason that it incorporated was in self-defense against the evil, evil Greenwood Village. <laughs> I mean... And municipal beefs, the evil Greenwood Village. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it's just a local municipal beef, though. I feel like that's... I'll have to, like, find articles for you to see if I can find, like, city planners and that kind of stuff talking about... Let's get into the nitty-gritty, please. Yeah, of, like... Well, I just mean, like, to actually have evidence, because I don't actually know all of the details. I know kind of the vague story that I heard because gotcha. I'm a human who lives in this society where it's, you don't really get details or you don't remember them because it's not as fun. Uh, so, I mean, supposedly there was some city planner or something that said Greenwood Village is like the number one you know, city or place or institution in the world that is the best at like making roads smaller and like congesting traffic on purpose just to get people to avoid that area. Really? Mm-hmm. This is getting really local. I love yeah. this. Let's <laughs> get into Greenwood Village. Uh, so they, so, th- okay. so people so, think that they suck. Yeah. Oh, and, well, and this is the other thing. They have a proven track record of incorporating commercial zones and excluding residential zones so that they can jack up sales taxes in the commercial zones and then not provide services to those residential zones that are in the middle of those commercial areas so that they're going to shop and they're going to pay taxes. However, they're not technically a part of the city. They've been gerrymandered right. out mm-hmm. so that th- so that the city doesn't have to provide them services and they get a lower quality of services with higher taxes. And so the city of Centennial also has a very gerrymandered crazy edge. However, I'm on the west side, so that's the good side. Um, that is not crazy like that. And, and yeah, just incorporating to have those sales, any sales tax increases go to the citizens who are actually in that area mm. um, to have, whether it's, you know, police or road maintenance or, or public school funding, whatever it is. Um, yeah, so Greenwood Village is terrible. <laughs> what just was it like growing up there? Oh, gosh, so white. I think there were, like, two... Well, no. I think there was one black family, maybe one biracial family, like in my whole neighborhood as a as a child. This is like half an hour from downtown Denver. Yeah, unaware. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, south, just on the south side of Denver. So incredibly white. Did people go to church? Oh yeah. Like well, well, this is the thing. I don't know so much about other people per se. I mean, I do know that people there go to church. However, I do know that we fucking went to church a lot. okay yeah that's all you need to know right (laughs) i mean well and um it's all matters so so my parents are uh, very catholic i have five older siblings oh brother (laughs) that's my catholic i love love catholic guilt let's go into catholicism so okay so you went to catholic church growing up yeah so i went to catholic church every week they were very religious um we were not just uh, we weren't just culturally catholic and we weren't just Easter and Christmas Catholics, we were every fucking week. Mm-hmm. Um, and even sometimes during the week, um, you know, like my dad, I remember being, was part of this par- char- charismatic prayer group, uh-huh. um, which is not a huge uh, thing in the Catholic Church. However, there's, there are people who are 
more into that. Did they call themselves a charismatic prayer yes, group, or specific, are you adding? No, the no, no, no. Okay. That's specifically that's like the a name title. of it. Yeah, they're great. Great. That was their <laughs> official name. Because, okay. like, I think they were formed in the seventies when maybe that there was less weird culty stigma around that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know that it was the like the charismatic prayer group. Cute. Yeah. Um. So sometimes. Were you in the charismatic? You were in. The I would charism- go sometimes, okay. not all the time. However, sometimes I did go, and I really liked it because my favorite part of going to church was singing songs, mm-hmm. and most of what we did at the charismatic prayer group was singing songs. Yeah. And and it was the fun songs. It wasn't like these old <laughs> Latin, right. boring songs, which we mostly don't sing anymore after no. Vatican II. However, still sometimes, eh, whatever. Um, yeah. Because do you remember any songs? Oh gosh. Oh, I'm 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 sure I will. Like. Um, one of the ones I liked was, and he will raise you up on the eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn. Yeah, I know this Make song. you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. I think I know this song. <laughs> the first part sounded very familiar. And, um... Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know that we, I, I swear we must have at least sang some Amy Grant songs in church because the choir was really cool. Mm-hmm. We went to the youth choir. Were the pa- were the preachers or pastors or whatever assholes and guilt? Oh, men? God, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all the, the priests in general were that way. There was one <laughs> when I was, around the time I was 11, tw- like from the time I was 11 to about the time I was, I don't know, 15 maybe, uh, we did have like a sort of a youth oriented priest was which was this super ginger of like Father Kelly I think was his name of course because yeah because of course it is if it wasn't O'Kelly it would have been O'Shaughnessy <laughs> right so, um so he was he was like more of the youth priest and and uh, he was pretty cool because he said some interesting stuff I hope so um, you don't know about those Catholic youth priests <laughs> that's true right I mean I never experienced anything. You know, untoward. I really liked him. Good. However, and I didn't hear anything. However, I don't know. You never know. Oh, those Catholics. Mm. Well, you know, the worst thing that they did was cover it up. And, and the fact that they're a giant, giant worldwide hierarchical, like, organization. They're still covering it up. Oh, no. I mean, I know. I'm not <laughs> saying they're not. I'm saying they have the power to cover it up. Yes. I don't initially think that the incidence of, like, pedophilia in trusted positions with access to children i don't think that it's necessarily a much higher percentage now granted i don't know the statistics mm. however from what i do know it's not a significant difference to like little league coaches you know just on a percentage interesting or boy scouts of america yeah exactly yeah that makes sense my mm-hmm. yeah because my whole thing has always been like catholic catholicism was just the religion that won mm-hmm. and like oh, yeah i'm convinced that if buddhism had somehow through world events become mm. the dominant religion mm-hmm. in the world, it would also have like a misogynistic power structure mm-hmm. with powerful yeah. men abusing things mm-hmm. at every turn. So like, mm-hmm. I just think Catholicism won and mm-hmm. it's the nature of, of misogyny and the nature of religion mm-hmm. and why religion's dangerous. Cause you can, you can say definitively like, no God told me or my God is right and yours is wrong mm-hmm. and I have the right to kill you or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it supersedes logic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that uh, when did you stop being Catholic, or were you still going as a teenager? Being oh like, yeah, this is bullshit. No, well, no. Um, 
I, I guess I was sort of, uh, I would say back and forth on that a little bit. Like, um, when I was around 12, 13 ish, I did sort of, Oh, so that's when I started going on the internet and I was on like, I remember I was on this like Wiccan, um, chat room site. So it was the internet's great. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yes. it's great. And cause they, these were people that were like weird in the right geeky spiritual way that I liked and not weird in the like, I don't know, gross, porny bachelor at whatever party gross way. Great, great, good. Yeah, yeah. I totally understand the distinction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like bad weird and mm-hmm. okay weird, sure. at least for me. Yeah. Um, and there might be other kinds of weird. It's just those, I think, are kind of the, the two dominant ones I've noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I had already thoughts about how, you know, all religions are one. They're basically all just saying, don't be a dick, you know, like, eh, like I don't necessarily believe in the moon goddess or whatever these Wiccan people believe in. Uh-huh. However, I want to just talk to people who have different ideas. Um, and so, so yeah, around that time, maybe in middle school ish, I was sort of drawing away. And I think, I mean, maybe, and that's maybe when I started high school, it was when, um, Father Kelly got there because I do remember that was actually really cool. He actually would say things that made sense and weren't just clearly the party line. Mm. A lot of that cool. stuff that you yeah, hear. Yeah. A little bit of an independent thinker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so so I got kind of got more into it. I would say in high school. I didn't really go the traditional route through college, however. There was a time uh, when I was in college that I was a part of the Catholic Student Association. Mm-hmm. Um, so still kind of in college, I was more religious. That was probably one of the most religious uh, times in my life. What college did you go to? So I went to the very prestigious Bristol Community College in Fall River, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you go there? Um, so it's kind of... Sorry to take you off. It's okay. It's a little convoluted. It's just, I was dating a guy that I met on the internet. Uh-huh. Who was also very Catholic. You were big on the internet. Oh, Wiccan, yeah. boyfriends. Uh-huh. Holy shit. Well, I, I met, we kind of got off topic there. I was starting to talk about Sorry, it. And then somehow, totally so, no, it's fine. No, I mean like. We're like three like, topics off. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm just saying like <laughs> a, about five to 10 minutes ago. I don't know. Time is weird, especially when you're high. Um, <laughs> yes. So you, I was talking about getting on the internet and the local calls and then we went off from there. And so, yeah, the internet is actually something very important <laughs> that, that, that we missed. Um, just drove straight by. We're like, nah, we don't need to stop to pee. Keep driving. Um, <laughs> anyhow, anyhow. Mm-hmm. So there was a boy that I was dating cause I knew him on the internet and he happened to be living there. Um, because he was working for the U.S. Navy as a computer scientist uh, in um, Newport, Rhode Island. And so Fall River is not too far from there. Uh, so we lived there. And I had been working at Barnes & Noble. And there were no openings at Barnes & Noble when, I, when we moved there. So I couldn't transfer in. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm 21. And 
kind of went to college a little bit when I was 19 back home in unincorporated Arapahoe County. <laughs> actually, I think it's actually Littleton, however. Anyway, um, yeah, so let, let's let's go back to school. Let's do that again because then I'm keeping myself busy and I'm not, you know, fucking working at Ruby Tuesday and <laughs> wanting to go on like a mass shooting. So, mm-hmm. um, Which I also want to get to, mm. not you specifically. Okay. But, um. Okay, did you like Massachusetts? We'll go back. We'll go okay, back to the okay, sure. formerly. Sure. So, um, well, you know, yes. Part of the reason that I especially liked southeastern New England was that it was so shitty that things <laughs> were really cheap. Okay. And I always, and and really fun. Mm. So I'm like, this is how I imagine. I've never really been to New Jersey. I've driven through New Jersey, and I got weirded out a couple times when I wasn't allowed to pump my own gas in New Jersey. However, I just imagine <laughs> Southeastern New England to be very similar to Jersey, like crappy. And yet the beer is a dollar. So who gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. Like just, <laughs> I can afford five more beers. That's five less giving a fucks about yeah. how shitty this is. Mm-hmm. Right. At that time in your life. Sounds like a, mm-hmm. so <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, it's very fun. I had a lot of fun. I really liked it. Um, and I feel like I learned a lot and uh, just experienced a lot. Being a part of the Catholic Student Association, we also did a mission trip to Honduras. So I traveled to Honduras, which I don't think I would have done otherwise if it hadn't have been for um, those religious tendencies and being in randomly southeast Massachusetts. So, um, Okay, so you went online to, to get into Wiccan. Oh no! Or, or just to, you, that's how <laughs> okay. you learned about Wicca, right? So, so it was spring break of sixth grade, which was uh, like March of nineteen ninety four. Crazy MTV My. Spring Break was on. Actually, that might have been pre MTV Spring. Break. I don't. Anyway, go ahead. I don't know. We never had cable growing up because you know, oh, gotcha. lo- Catholic, lots of kids, no money. So, <laughs> um, so spring break. So it's spring break. Grade. My my sister, my oldest sister. Um, she's 19, so she's like a um, freshman in college. Her high school boyfriend is a freshman in college. He goes to CU Boulder. He's studying computer science. He has a server. I can loc- I can use a local call over um, a landline. What do they call that? A modem. Um, like oh, is, the dial-up? Dial-up, dial yes. Dial-up. Sure. Yeah, over dial-up. I can dial-up. I can dial to Boulder for free and actually get on the internet completely for free. So he wanted, um, Jeremy and Teresa are both really into gaming, not gambling, like the nerd kind, you know, that people who are into Wicca would be into. Uh-huh. Right? Like Warcraft or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. So Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, Warcraft, um, things like that. And so at that time, um, they, they were really into MUDs, and that's a multi-user dungeon, which is basically the, the precursor to MMORPGs. Like it sounds like orgies. Yeah. Multi-user dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it has to do with Dungeons & Dragons. Okay. And you're like, so that this whole idea of a dungeon is a place where you're playing the game. I see. And so that's, yeah, way less way less cool and sexual than that. Yeah, no. Well, it's just as cool, I think. Mm-hmm. It's different. Okay, so you were getting into... D&D. Type things, yeah. Wicca. Yeah, and so the, well, just like, I mean, have you seen World of Warcraft? You know what that is, right? 
Yeah. Okay. So imagine World of Warcraft, exactly the same no, game. I know Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I know. I mean, well, <laughs> oh, is this something different? No, this is about the muds. <laughs> oh, muds. Right. Okay. So basically, take World of Warcraft mm-hmm. and just make it instead of images, descriptions, like a paragraph yeah, yeah. of what okay. it is. Okay. And so you could go to a place and you would see, and it would say, "Oh, the the mountains are purple and the trees are pink," and cool. And then, oh, there's a monster here, or there's a carrot here, or whatever. Uh huh. And you can fight things or whatever. So it's 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 completely the same as World of Warcraft, just with no graphics. Just original. Except ASCII. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. ASCII. Yeah. I mean, that's what you could do. You could draw things mm-hmm. with those. That was a common thing. And Anyway. Um, so that's what I really got into. And because it was dial-up at that time, um, and of course, you know, <laughs> this is the 90s, so we're normal people, so we have one phone line at my Again, house. Yeah, the question was, when did you stop being Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I <laughs> <laughs> well we were probably off of a tangent off of that yeah i'm pretty i think the when did i stop being a catholic was a tangent off of this earlier conversation so i've just rewound <laughs> prior to that that's okay that's fine <laughs> all right um I stopped. Now I don't know what I was saying. Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Spring break. The point was. The point was. Times were good. I would. (laughs) Listening to Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. (laughs) Oh, you know, at that time I listened to like the Motown station because I really couldn't stand modern. Like I didn't like Nirvana. Really? Yeah. In the 90s, I really didn't like grunge and alternative. I was. So I was. That's how I learned all my knowledge about like Motown 50s and 60s. I see. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and that's how you said, I'm no longer a <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh So so the best way to uh, use dial-up internet, especially if you are a small child who is quickly addicted and has no friends in real life, uh-huh. and only makes friends who live in Australia who are 10 years older than you, because they're in college, like normal people on is the Is that area. your boyfriend that you moved to Massachusetts mm. for? Okay, good. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I, I, <laughs> I, I fucked you up. <laughs> you blew it! <laughs> uh, right, so, so dial up. So dial You're up. deep into the dial, dial up, up game. <laughs> and, and in the dial up, you have to do it like at night when everyone else is asleep. Because when people, because yeah. during the day, it's like you pick up the phone. It's you know, done. Yeah, it's over. It's, so they fucked up your session. And you're like, it's like you're, like if you're doing a raid on a Friday night in World of Warcraft, like, and like, and it's sud- important. Yeah, it's important. And suddenly, like, your connection drops out and your whole team, yeah, Can't is, like, do it. relying on you. Can't do it. Exactly. Like, no. You, and that's what it would be like. And so. Is this where late night gaming was invented? Because it was, like, dial-up. Maybe. I don't know. However, I would not be surprised. So the point of that. I'm doing was- a great job of sidetracking you, by the way. <laughs> while also telling you to stay on point. <laughs> right. All right, go ahead. Just, you know, like gaslighting, just like oh, normal white so men do. Throw the sheet over you. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, so that's when I started basically staying up all night and not sleeping at night, which was one of the big, oh, and, and I stopped, uh, so, I, so I'd be really tired in the morning, so I'd get up very last minute. I would like throw my clothes on and just run to school. I only lived like a five minute walk from school so i stopped eating breakfast um and i later learned that those are jesus you're like 11 or 12 and mm-hmm. like your life is unraveling yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um well not 
the time, it was just like, oh, I'm a teenager, whatever. It's no big deal. You know, mm. like, whatever weird 80s. Wow, flexing. Adolescence propaganda huh? existed. Huh? Um, <laughs> so, oh, so. so no more Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned that um, not having a good sleep schedule and not eating breakfast are both things that can really affect one's mood um, and one's mental health. Mm. And so totally unintentionally, I changed a bunch of habits, um, like just self-care habits that coincidentally um, support depression and mental illness. And so uh, those are things that I'm still, like habits that I sometimes still struggle with and not as much as I used to. I've gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, just like going to bed at a reasonable time and not staying up all night uh, watching stupid videos, um, <laughs> which is what I did last night. Did, were you getting your period at this time? Sorry. Yes. So there yeah. you go. So it was like my period started practically right at the same time as like, of, you know, March of 1994, so right around then because I had turned 12 and then – I started using the internet and I got my period. Ugh, muds, your period. Yeah. It's all like yeah. crescendoing. It's, yeah. Blood, sweat, and mud, I guess. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and I think that's something that really um, cemented a lot of my depression and uh, mental illness was having those unintentional changes to my mm-hmm. self-care routine from, you know, becoming that more of a teenager type with a different school schedule than, than the elementary school kids and, and different expectations. So you said, this is crazy, mm-hmm. I'm now a Wiccan. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so then I would say I was, um, that, so that was to get back to the mental mental health and mental illness question, which came up before the Catholicism thing. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> it did, it did. Um, I don't, honestly, I don't remember exactly like the time when I s- decided I stopped being Catholic. I know I must have been. I want a uh, date. Tw- I want an exact <laughs> date. Pull up the calendar. 23. Um, like when I was 23, 24, 25. So. Ooh, that Catholicism had a strong grip on you. Yeah. So, it, yeah, well, I didn't actually, um, I didn't start having sex until I was 23. And I now realize that I was like having sex in the sense that oral sex is sex and so this idea right. that oral sex isn't real sex um is complete bullshit so in that sense i don't actually know when i started mm-hmm. having sex i know when i started having right. intercourse when the patriarchy exactly when the patriarchy that deemed sex. that it was sex yes. i had i had internalized right. that message that intercourse is mm-hmm. the only real thing so so to put a bow on that whole dial-up thing that <laughs> happened when you were 12 yes and that first introduced, op- did it open your mind to like other religions besides Catholicism? Because you mentioned Wiccan right off the bat on the internet when I asked Catholicism. I don't remember why I, like, ha- why I went to that, like, why I was drawn to Wiccan. Yeah. Um, and to Wicca. Um, I really, I'm not sure. Are you still into that? A little bit, you know, like there are things I really liked the moon as a child, and I just was always really into the moon, and I mm-hmm. think. The fact that, you know, Wicca uses the moon as a very big symbol for them, you know, that it might have just been that, that I was like, yes, well, I love the moon, too. It's, you know, amazing. And mm-hmm. like, and then, oh, okay, you believe that she's a goddess. I don't know if I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. 
However, I do believe, and even on my own, I believe that there was more out there. I was already starting to believe there was more out there than what the Catholic Church had to offer because um, actually at that same time uh, when I was starting to really feel depressed, um, that's when I also started to really notice that I would, the one place that I felt comfortable at that time asking for help was at confession and saying that oh I yeah. was feeling depressed, you know, mm. and and no priest ever said, oh, hey, you know, maybe this person has mental illness and they need mm. help, and this person is a minor, maybe I should talk to their parent. Like, you know, like, that that was a bigger issue, you know, like, than just, oh, no, that's not a sin. You know, it's like, well, and okay, and so here's the thing that I remember uh, Father Kelly saying was, how like sin is just something that separates you from God. And so, you know, anything can be a sin. Some are much bigger and Mm -hmm. some are smaller. However, you know, so being connected to God and, and to me it was one of those like, well, when I feel like shit and I feel depressed, I'm not connected to God. Yeah, sure. So I know that this isn't something that I am doing. Like I know I'm not like sinning actively by being depressed because I made that happen because that's absurd. However, I knew it was something that even if it wasn't sinful, it was still something that separated me from God. And I didn't like that. And so I would talk to priests about that and I would usually feel worse, not better hmm. um, afterwards. Cause they just didn't really listen. They didn't take it seriously. They didn't do anything with that. That information yeah. meant nothing to them. Yeah. And yeah. They were not literate in that. It yeah. Like. And, and so, and yeah, I could see how maybe for them they're like, well, that's a, health issue and i am not a doctor i only do spiritual issues so i'm just mm-hmm. not i'm just completely disregarding that i have no idea what the thought process was there if they even mm. understood what i was saying or believe me who knows yeah all i know is that i would try to reach out and i wouldn't get anything back and well, I would you do 10 hail marys and 10 <laughs> our fathers <laughs> right exactly you're good. done yeah and i that did not make me feel better that i usually would cry more afterwards yeah 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 um so that that was also sort of like a seed there, another seed of just doubt of like this this is not they say this is good, this is not good. Mm. Maybe some people get something out of this whole confession thing. I do not. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think it's a bad thing or a wrong thing. I just it's not for me. Yeah, yeah. And I don't care about anybody else in that sense. Like, great, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, great, don't do it. Mm-hmm. I think around that time, eleven or twelve, it obviously helps to have the internet and all mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. information and other kinds of people mm-hmm. at your fingertips. But um you know, I think like your whole childhood is is understanding is trying to exert your independence and trying to exert mm-hmm. your will. Yeah. And and understanding and negotiating with the world where you can exert your your independence and where the environments or circumstances will be put upon you and like how to negotiate that and how to like mentally prepare your emotionally process when you're at a, when you're when you aren't in control of a situation mm-hmm. or or when you are um but I think at 11 or 12, like b- before, like in your adolescent years, you are, it's the end of your childhood. And I feel like you're just getting a lot more, like your mind's expanding, mm-hmm. like a lot intellectually. Um, and you're going to, if you have those tools to like research other things. Um, yeah, I think it's like very valuable and impactful. Because I remember around that time, I was also feeling like the religion I was receiving was not inspiring me like it was like my parents mm-hmm. and I was like I'm just 
like I kept waiting for like that spark inside of me. Oh, that, yeah, like, totally. Oh, I'm moved like the spirit of Christ. Like, yeah, yeah, mm, totally. Exactly. I can feel it. And I just never, <laughs> I was just like dead. And I'm like, am I like doing this wrong? <laughs> right. Is it, is it, just, is this me? Is it you? Me? Yeah. And that's also the time <laughs> and when my parents started teaching me in our cult or Christian cult, we had a power for abundant living class okay. where you would like really dive deep into the Bible and the scripture and you would, um, just like become like a fundamentalist, mm-hmm. um, which was for the most part peaceful um, in our cult. But um, I just, that's when I started realizing like, oh, like this is not for me. <laughs> but I'm so, so glad I learned that decision. But uh, where did your parents come from? That's so my next question. My, my mother grew up uh, in Grand Junction, Colorado. Well, she was born. Wow, she emigrated. She was an immigrant. I'm just kidding. Um, well, okay, so she was born in Denver. She spent kind of her younger childhood in Leadville, and then uh, she went to sort of junior high, middle school, whatever, high school in Grand Junction. So she considers Grand Junction her home. Do you know how far back your family goes to be immigrants? Yeah, it's only, well, three of the four because – um, for both of my dad's parents and that my, my mom's mom, they, I would say, what is it? I think basically my great-grandparents, mm-hmm. my grandparents' parents, mm-hmm. they are the ones who emigrated Yeah, yeah. Um, from Eastern Europe. So from... Uh, Romania? No, no. Uh, well, Slovenia. Okay. And um, I know Czechia. I mean, it wasn't. Czechia at the time it mm-hmm. was you know so probably around the, the Moravian part so that's the eastern part uh-huh. of the Czech Republic um, and I'm not sure where else maybe Slovakia also so I think one I think my paternal grandmother Slovakia and my paternal grandfather Czech and my maternal grandmother Slovenian mm-hmm. my uh, maternal grandfather he is English and his family has been in the country a lot longer and I don't know how long I do know that um, he, we have ancestors who fought in uh, the Civil War, and there's like discharge papers from A. Lincoln to because they were fighting for the North. Anthony Lincoln, <laughs> the fa- <laughs> wow, cool. Well, Armstrong Lincoln. Armstrong Lincoln, yeah. <laughs> so uh, wow, so, so yeah, definitely farther. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I would say he also died when I was very young. I was about two when he died. And, yeah, so his family and him are definitely the ones that I feel least connected to Mm -hmm. um, of my ancestors. And that's also why when I think about my ancestors, I just think about the other 75% of the Eastern Europeans. Mm. And that's how I identify. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and so then my dad, he grew up um, on a ranch in southern Colorado outside of Walsenburg, cattle ranch. And his grandparents were coal miners and mm. well maybe maybe one was a coal miner and one was like a homesteader mm-hmm. uh, down there and so things like the Ludlow massacre and those protests there that were very local and important to like his grandparents mm-hmm. it's funny Catholics and coal miners used to be socialist <laughs> yeah yeah no totally yeah coal miners for sure and that's one of the reasons why, like, it drives me so bananas to, like, 
for socialism to be so unpopular now in a hundred years ago. It was very popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, earlier uh, today we were, I asked you about if mm-hmm. you were familiar with red baiting. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what did that in mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. socialism was like really popular in the turn of the 20th century yeah. in the U.S. And even even up till basically World War II. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like even in the 19 teens and 20s, there was talk of socialists being lumped in with communists and um, mm-hmm. uh, Trotskyism, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the, the, the term was. Yeah, Trotsky yeah, exactly. Um, so they, that's been going on for like 100 years. But yeah, I think about like my grandfather and um, his, him working in, for the city and having getting a pension. And mm working in living in rent controlled housing and being on Medicaid mm-hmm. and just like all the hallmarks of what socialism has done. That's great in this country mm-hmm. Yep, that he, uh, that he loves. So I, I consider like my politics as a continuation of, of like his legacy and those kinds of people's legacies. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I, I don't totally know like the politics or the political thoughts of, my grandparents, what they were when they were alive. Um, I do know that my mom sometimes would talk about my dad's parents and how she's like, oh, everyone, just Southern Colorado, Werfno County down there. Oh, they're all Democrats. They don't even know why they're Democrats. They're just Democrats because it's just been that way basically Mm -hmm. since probably, well, probably FDR when that, you know, those social That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally. We're like, that was important. And they, because they had the coal strikes and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. that sort of liberal um, policies and the politics was what they wanted. Um, Yeah, so I think they voted Democrat, even though they were still, you know, really conservative Catholic people. Mm -hmm. And although at that time, you know, like abortion didn't start even becoming an issue until, you know, later, really into the nineties. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you were in the backyard of that because mm-hmm. focus on the family is oh, like fuck yeah. mm-hmm. 20 minutes probably from yep. half uh, an hour. Maybe, yeah. Probably maybe about 30. Hour? Yeah. Right. Somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour. Yeah, for sure. And I remember going there as a kid. We, um, you like, went there. Yeah. Cause my dad was super into it. He's still into focus on the family. My dad loves focus. On They're the family. into conversion therapy. My dad, I don't know that he, I'm not sure about that part. That portion might, he might not This be is what I know. His number one and like only political issue is abortion. Really? Yeah, he's pro-life it, and that's oh, his that's issue. That's his issue. That's it. So and he's got the Republican, he's a Republican mm-hmm. voter for life. Mm-hmm. And he, well, and he does in fact, and he, um, I would say he's a little bit more nuanced than that in the sense that he knows that there are certain positions, that there are certain positions that have, you know, power over issues um, actually related to abortions and abortion um, access. And there are certain governmental, you know, elected positions that have nothing to do with that and Mm -hmm. have no ability, like, you know, it's like, oh, county trash commissioner? Yeah, he has nothing to do. He can be a Democrat. doesn't (laughs) matter. So so he's since... (laughs) Oh, brother. (laughs) So, I mean, hey, it's family. <laughs> so, um, so he'll know, he'll he will look at you know whether the that position has any influence on that issue, and if it does, then he will vote for whoever is pro life, 
And if the position does not have influence on that issue, then he'll just look at all the candidates and then vote mm-hmm. whichever one he yeah. thinks is the best. I mean, and it's it's both sides are voting his conscience. It's just that the, that one issue is the number one yeah. trumping issue. Yeah, trumping. To, yeah, you know, like a trump <laughs> card. You know, it trumps everything else. Ugh, Unfortunately, ugh, now sad. that has a double meaning. However, like it is, it is what it is. Fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's just the number one issue that he cares about. So that's the number one thing on his conscience. And then if that's not an issue, then he will consider more like different kind of nuanced Oh, he just hates, hates the baby killing, as you would call it. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. No, just, just last week he sent me an email. I mean, it was one of those, like, he was at a website, and then they said, is there anybody else you want to do? Enter their email address here. And so I got, like, a, a push from the website saying, hey, Leonard, you know, Michek just – know did this and he thinks you might want to vote or you know support this issue too so there were two different bills um actually it was really complicated after i read it i think there are these two um pro-life sponsored bills that are being or were being maybe it was a week or two ago now filibustered in the senate and then there was gonna be a vote to like cloture the filibuster however they needed at least 60 votes to do that and they only had you know like 54 or 56 or whatever so they weren't able to stop the filibuster so it's not like they were voting for or against that bill they were just voting whether they should stop avoiding voting (laughs) on on those bills and there are two one of them had to do with um well whatever it doesn't matter because i don't care but then he sent me afterwards i so i sent him back i said oh you know Thanks for sending me this. I specifically went to those to our two state senators' websites, and I directly told them that I want them to support these, you know, like, or I don't want them to support these bills. I want them to, you know, oppose them. And he's like, well, I'm glad I could, you know, support you doing your civic duty. And I was just like, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what you think, dude. Like, I, I think that you do love me and you do support me. Mm-hmm. And also at the same time, like, However, you can't possibly agree with this. Like, what what is going on? And he won't tell you. Anyway, he won't tell me anyway. Um, he um, oh, and then so then he said, well, here's the here's the results of that, and he had forwarded me an article, and it's an article from whatever website told him to sign the thing anyway. And it was like, oh, they're murdering and dismembering babies. Mm-hmm. Literally, those are the words they used: murdering and dismembering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's the list of the senators who want to, you know, do these horrific things because we know that fetuses can feel pain, so you shouldn't ever do anything, whatever. I don't know. Do we? I have no idea. I mean, they say there's evidence of that. I mean, I think there is, there's definitely evidence that the fetuses react to stimuli. Uh-huh. What okay. that reaction is, I think, is ambiguous. Um, however, they will say, like, well, you know, it, it's recoiling from pain, like, or it's just surprise. Like, who knows? Like, I'm not saying that they can't feel pain. I'm saying that I think scientific evidence is sometimes questionable. Yeah. Also, no one, like, you can't force people to donate their organs to to anything. Mm. So right. you shouldn't have to. Um, you know, let that baby... Fucking survive on its own mm-hmm. if it's such a baby. Mm-hmm. If it's such a living thing. Well, and I think fucking that's partially 
one of the one of the bills had to do with if like for example if there's a failed abortion where the child is still alive we shouldn't call it abortion we should like change the word this guy frank lund i think Uh his name is he Mm -hmm. coined the term climate change versus global warming okay he coined the term uh fuck i can't remember (laughs) i was pretty sure fuck oh death, death tax he oh, was okay. the guy who invented death tax. Oh, like so he's a famous Republican. Yeah, when Obamacare was coming out, okay, the Republicans okay. are like, or no, death tax is is the, the uh, estate tax, right, right. And yes. then the death panels he also invented. Oh, right, that whole ridiculous. Uh huh. From Obamacare. <laughs> so this dude is like a Republican, um, kind of like a pollster, and um, he does he does focus groups. Oh. And he was featured in the movie Vice, which I love hmm. about Dick Cheney's life. Oh, I'm, I have, um, oh, I haven't seen it. And so his whole career is testing people on different messages mm-hmm. and seeing what is more or less uh, like acceptable to oh, them. Oh, okay. And so he finds out how you can like change massive amounts of public perception by oh. calling it climate change. Sure, you can sure. sow seeds of doubt, um, and then people really fucking hate the idea of a death tax or of a death panel. Right, right. So you can just like sow seeds of doubt. He's now working for Michael Bloomberg's campaign. Oh, God. Because he worked with him when Bloomberg was a Republican. Okay. Um, but this, I forget where I was going with this, but uh. <laughs> it was about changing uh, the perception based on the language. Anywho, <laughs> I lost it. Yeah, me too. Um, are your siblings still super Catholic? Oh, yes. Four of my... Five siblings are so Catholic. Uh, they like will just have discussions about like natural family planning, um, which means like taking your temperature every day and recording that, and like looking at your cervical mucus and recording that, and then abstaining from having sex when you're fertile. Um, and this is like a, this is what is uh, called, you know, derogatorily referred to as the rhythm method, and it's a little bit more rigorous than that. It, is based on, you know, like your hormones and your cycles and whether you're fertile or not. Okay. However, there's actual, you know, like scientific evidence. So is this to try and have kids or to not have kids? Either one. If you're Catholic, it's to not have kids. If you're not Catholic, it's to have kids because, you know, obviously you're having a problem conceiving and you want to. And if you're Catholic and you want kids, you just start fucking. Yeah, exactly. You just do whenever. Drink wine. Yeah, right. Um, And if, so if you don't, this is to not have kids so that, you don't have to, you know, violate any of the stupid hoops. Yeah, so you don't sin. Yes, the stupid hoops that the Catholic Church has, like, erected out of nothing of, like, don't wear a condom or use birth control pills because that's evil. You said erected, but keep going. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, so they do this rhythm method that I'm derogatorily (laughs) calling it. (laughs) And how's that work? How many kids do they have? So I have 14 Nieces and nephews. From one, it's from, no, four, no. from four siblings. From four different siblings. So my brother has um, five kids. Uh-huh. My oldest sister has four. Um, and then the next sister, she has two. And the last one has three. And they still go to church? Yep. And all of them still go to church. And every so often, one of my sisters, the si- sister with the, um, the youngest one with the three girls, she will send out like text group text messages to like, hey, what 
what have you seen in your local, at your church bulletin? You know, because it's like a little newsletter that you get every week, the bulletin. So she was like asking about people to like send her pictures of their bulletin so she could get an idea of like something to redesign it for her church or something. And it was like, and she knew, and obviously she was asking because she knew all these dorks would have these bulletins from the churches that they go to and they go to churches all, uh, all across wow. the country. And, and I was like, Oh my God, I roll like, are you fucking kidding me? Um, so do you come home? Do you go to holiday family get togethers and be like, so how about Elizabeth Warren? <laughs> um, do you steer clear. I mean, it's not something that it's not something that's common. I would say in my family to create that kind of controversy. I mean, it's just like what I was saying with my dad supporting his pro-life issues and then and he knows that i do not support them or at least right. i hope he knows that and doesn't think i'm kidding well you know now dad <laughs> well i mean he unless he thinks you know oh that's a joke like no it's mm. not a joke um yeah so so i mean i i feel free to say that so he him. voted for trump i don't know <laughs> fuck down trash there's yeah. an excuse to press up yeah i don't know if he did um I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. In some ways, I wouldn't be surprised. In other ways, I, I I would say he. It's possible he might have just abstained from voting if he didn't think anyone right was actually well, pro life. Colorado didn't matter. Yeah. Um. So he must love Mike Pence then. Mike Pence. I mean, he probably doesn't know. Probably yeah. doesn't know about Mike Pence's politics. Right. Well, and he, he does look into that kind of stuff. That's something I just don't bring up with him. Anyway. <laughs> Because I don't, because I don't care. Because I don't want to have a discussion about Mike Pence. Like, no thanks. <laughs> no, it's gross just to talk. Yeah, have the words escape yeah. your lips. Yeah, to, yeah. Ugh, to go wash out with mouthwash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I saw you reading Marlon Bundo. Yeah, yeah, yes. Because <laughs> I have obviously seen it, you know, on Don Oliver's show. However, I had never. I don't think I've ever seen it in person. I haven't read it, and so. So for listeners, Marlon Bundo is the <laughs> the bunny name that John Oliver created for Mike Pence's bunny. No, I, th- I thought that that was oh, no, the that's actual the real name. name. So the, his Sorry. real name. His real name is Marlon Bundo. Bundo. Right. Mike Pence and Karen Pence's pet bunny, Marlon Bundo. Bundo. But John Oliver, take it away. So John <laughs> Oliver, you know, learned about this and decided to somehow because of his genius to write a children's book or have a children's book written and illustrated starring Marlon Bundo. And in the book, Marlon Bundo falls madly in love with the love of his life, another boy bunny. (laughs) And so Marlon Bundo is going to get married and there's a problem. And of course, you know, what's going to happen? It all gets resolved. So, but the moral of the story Curious. is Bundo's gay. Yeah, Bundo is gay. So Mike Pence, Mike Pence probably hates that. Yeah, exactly. And so so it was created to kind of just poke fun at Mike Pence and right. piss him off or whatever, you know, just fun for us. Or to, enlighten to, Mike Pence and be like, what if your kid or bunny was gay? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Would <laughs> you really want your bunny to be unhappy? Mm-hmm. That adorable Marlon Bundo. Well, I have a family member who's very young who has queer tendencies. He just likes to dress like uniquely and mm-hmm. wear like sneakers that have unicorns on them. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But people in my family, I think it's really good for my family because they're like becoming they're they're becoming more accepting. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. because they have to. Right, and it's not a conscious process. Mm. They're just like, oh, it's an emotional thing. Right, yeah. And that's like how most people change their minds. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I think there are studies that show that. And 
we even make up our minds about things before we consciously realize that we've made up our minds. No, I don't. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we just find, you know, reasons to support that that decision that we already made. Oh, totally. I think that's a great point. On a subconscious level. Yes. So, Uh So if you're around, yeah, people that you love, you know, and they're different from what your politics say they should be, you know, yeah, you can reject them. However, that's becoming less common. And yeah. Um, and so you're, you can be just, yeah, completely changing your mind subconsciously. Mm-hmm. I used to think about how people don't often use logic to, mm-hmm. to draw a conclusion. They like, they, well, they use selectively use logic to reinforce yeah. a conclusion. And to justify, to justify exactly. their conclusion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a, a great point. But we all like we all believe that we use logic, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we do. But it, like selective logic is not logical at all. Right. Like oh, using yeah. one piece of logic mm-hmm. is usually not. Yeah, it's like, well, I should eat more greens, so I'm going to eat this green carpet. It's like, well, that's <laughs> right. You're fallacy it's lo- there. It's one portion of logic <laughs> in a very illogical. Whole. <laughs> um, yeah, my family is is very still very Christian and conservative. I also, I don't know if my grandfather was very political. I know he liked uh, Mario Cuomo, who's Andrew Cuomo's father. Mm, um, And Chris Cuomo, who's on CNN, his father. He was like the governor of New York, but he was an immigrant. Um, Either he was an immigrant or his father was an immigrant to Ellis Island. And my, yeah, I think it was Mario Cuomo's like father. And he came over, my grandfather claimed he like came over on the boat with Mario Cuomo's father, Mm. which... May or may not, not have been true, <laughs> but he always loved the idea of like an Italian American mm. first generation as governor, and he was a Democrat. Um, but I think what Andrew Yang talked about is very interesting, which is like immigrants don't think about politics when they come to this country. Mm-hmm. You benefit from economic policy, but you come to this country to like sacrifice your life mm. to get here and work so that your kids can go to school and like get a job. And Andrew Yang talked a lot about how like the reason you don't have a lot of immigrants or kids of immigrants in politics is because it's not the priority. Yeah. The priority is like get food on the table and like mm-hmm. do right for your family and maybe send money back home. Right. And that's why it's like four or five, six, seven generations. And then you think about getting into politics and he was saying like, if he becomes president, it will inspire a whole new generation of, mm-hmm. of recent immigrants. But I think his running did that. And I think like Ilhan Omar, from Ethiopia, I mm. think, or Somalia. From Somalia. She did that as well. She's like part of the squad. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, good for you for not like getting into it with your family about all those differences. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's just, I don't even know what to say. I mean, just to have a fight, just to have a fight. Because mm-hmm. it's not like either, of, I, I don't see either of us changing our minds about that. And I really don't like to fight just to fight. You know, 99% of the time, maybe mm-hmm. 1% of the time, that's fun. Most of the time, no thanks. Yeah, I'm totally down for a fight. Like, Yeah. Well, I am not from New York, mm-hmm. so I think that's a big difference. Something about dudes from New York who are just down <laughs> to fight. Yeah, no, I'm totally up for a fight, like at least 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want to get to the bottom of it, and like I think it's competent to like – get into it and like figure out our differences. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is though, like I think that's different, at least from 
that's a good way to get into it. Um, I have an uncle who um, grew up in Long Island. And as far as I can tell, he really does just fight just to fight for the fun of it. Because <laughs> it's fun to like to play devil's advocate and see people get mad. Yeah, he probably slips into gaslighting quite often. Yeah, and because so devil's advocacy often does that. Yeah, so so he'll say, and I don't know that he, you know, I think people are kind of aware of the fact that he does that, at least to the extent of you know people who are really conservative think he's very liberal, and people who are very liberal think he's very conservative. Yeah, so he's doing it right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and those very conservative and very liberal people don't necessarily talk to each other, so yeah. they don't have to agree that he is on one side or the other. Um, I can't stand those people. Yeah. I, can, I can't I can stand <laughs> those people more than I can stand, like, a regular Trump supporter. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and it would be one thing if it was like, okay, you just... And you just don't care, however. I think I think he actually does carry it. I think he does have an opinion. Uh-huh. And I think he is pretty staunchly Republican from what I know of him. However, he will not ever come from a place of this is what I actually believe. Mm-hmm. He only comes from a place of let me just fuck with you. Just yeah, just for fun. Sounds smart. Mm-hmm. Smart. Yeah. This is, this is why I hate them more. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, you're smarter, in my opinion, than like just a sheep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if it was being part of the military or what. I mean he's mm. a career mm-hmm. Air Force uh, retired colonel. So I mean, he. I have heard him say, and it's one of the few times that I remember him, I think, being genuine and genuinely kind of political. Uh, he said, like, we are the good guys talking about the U.S. military. And it was one of those, like, it doesn't matter where the U.S. military goes. The U.S. military is the good guys. Yeah. And, you know, even in Vietnam, like, I mean, he hasn't said that. However, I mean, that's at least from now on, doesn't matter where they go, they are the good guys, mm-hmm. and you just have to believe that, basically. And yeah. it's like, um, well, I just don't. I just don't. It's not that I think right. they're bad guys. I think that we, as a nation, sending them, and I don't necessarily think we're all responsible for that. However, you know, it's the nation itself that is the bad guy, not the mm-hmm. individual soldiers. Yeah. The nation as a whole. Yeah. So yeah, and also, like, you can be, like, 70% good. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, the U.S. is, like, mm-hmm. pretty good. It's, like, Hillary yeah. Clinton good, you know? It's yeah, not great, exactly. but, like, we're going to make some progress. Yeah, like, you know, 70%. That's a C. That's totally passing. It's fine. Yeah, like, we're going to fuck some shit up, for sure. And, like, <laughs> However, install be- some dictators. <laughs> but... It'll mostly be better, If hopefully. you're having a genocide, like, we'll show up late and help out, like... <laughs> a little bit. We'll kind of stop it after the fact in order to peck our, pat ourselves but, on the um, back. No, no, there's, there's good stuff we do. But then you can be... Like a complex person or a complex country where like, yeah, you're 70% good or like you're trying to do the good thing or, or yeah, you have good people, um, but you can't say that like the overthrow of like politically or democratically elected leaders oh. in like Central America. Exactly. Oh, or, like, yeah. or like, what was it? Buying, buying opium. Was it like the Iran-Contra affair. It was like buying opium from fucking Iranians and like selling weapons to the Contras in right. Colombia. It was some weird oh, convoluted yeah, in, bullshit in ha- yeah. that was really crazy that Colum- involved like Iran and South America. <gasps> oh, and right. America. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is the thing is that the CIA was getting the heroin from Iran because that's how they were funding all these like illegal black box. Right. Rather black than go ops, through taxpayer money or 
percent. Yeah. So then, so it's then selling the heroin in like I'm pretty sure it was like France because that was the French connection part of it. Oh, okay. And then, and then using that money, yeah, to support um, the Contras, Contras in Nicaragua, and we're like, overthrowing and the democratic. Uh, yeah, with, and they got super involved in Honduras. Like Honduras was where they were legally having air bases and things. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Jesus. and there's still a very weird like American presence or like military presence in Honduras. Um, I guess I haven't been there in maybe 15 years or so. So to say to this day is yeah. like maybe a little strong. However, I can't imagine that different. Yeah, yeah. Right. I Yeah, I would, I would agree. So yeah, you can't say that it's all good. Mm-hmm. And this is similar to Bernie Sanders saying you can't like, it's, we need to be truthful as a people. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't truthfully say that Cuba or Saudi Arabia is 100% bad. Right. You could say that they're like 90% bad, Mm -hmm. which is really fucking bad. If you were taking a test, getting a 10% sucks. Yeah. But having like enacting literacy programs and in 10 years, like doubling your literacy rate to the point where it's the same as the U S that's the 10%. Mm, Right. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. You fucking blow, but like, Hey, you have this one thing, right? (laughs) And Bernie Sanders said that and he gets railed on Mm -hmm. for like supporting an authoritarian. It's like you need to have nuance and um, mm-hmm. especially if you're another Democrat, like a pundit on the media or if mm-hmm. you're another candidate. Like, I think it's really shitty to be like, you never to just lie. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. they just lie. And like, that's not cool. Like you need more like save. Let the Republicans lie. Like you're re- you're oh, lying right. for <laughs> on behalf of the Republic. Like because that's what Trump's going to say. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I'm going to say this because this is why he's not electable. It's like now you're just like repeating a lie mm-hmm. because you know people will believe it. And Trump does love to repeat a lie. And also. But Bloom, that doesn't mean Biden should. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, so it's that fucking crazy. It does come from the, it comes from the same kind of like fascist authoritarian place though, ironically, is that mm. the big lie, you know, isn't that something Hitler wrote about? Uh-huh. And how it's not about, it's not about how true or untrue something is or how big or elaborate it matters how many times you say it yes just say it with confidence and be like what do you call me a fucking liar like Mm -hmm. no you're a liar yeah you're like this is the truth and after a while you're like this is the fucking truth yeah yeah because only a psychopath would fucking lie to me like that right (laughs) well and also it's also just like a part of our psychology Mm. uh that when you hear something more no matter what it is in any context you'll start to believe that it's more true so you know, oh, okay, the capital of Honduras is Guatemala, you know, like, uh-huh. and you're like, ha, ha, that's obviously absurd. And then the next time you, you know, you take that test a week later and you go, oh, I heard that somewhere. <laughs> you're saying our brain isn't like a steel fortress. <laughs> like we like to believe it is. We yeah, like to exactly. believe like, these are my thoughts and yeah. like, you can't fucking impenetrate. It's like, nah. No. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's like, granted, I've only taken Psych 101. However, I remember taking Psych 101 and most of the time, I would just look at the, the research that they said they had and I would say, you don't know why this is happening. though. You're putting an input in mm. and you're getting a result. Something is happening. However, like there, it's a black box mm. of how, what the algorithm is or the alchemy to get that result. Mm-hmm. So when you say, oh, it's because people love to, I don't know, like conform. I mean, I think that actually is kind of true. However, <laughs> you know, and that came from blah, blah, this or that. It's like, you, can, you don't know that. You just don't know. 
you don't know what the causal effect is. You know a correlation between this causing people, you know, conforming, whatever. Speaking of the big lie, mm-hmm. um, how did, we were talking about high school, and mm-hmm. I remember earlier today before we got on the pod, you mentioned that you're 38 right now mm-hmm. in 2020, and mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, that means you were probably like, I guess, 17 or 18 during at 9/11, maybe. 19. Yeah, I was about. I was I was 19. So I'd love to know because I grew up. I was in New York, and I was like 15, and my dad worked next door to. Like, I had multiple friends whose parents died and stuff. Mm, oh, wow. So I'm wondering what you thought, like, what your thoughts were, like, after 9-11, like, when they were talking about invading Iraq and stuff and, like, people's responses. I don't know. Do you remember that time? Yeah, I remember. Was I was, I would say I was 19, and I was very apolitical at that time. I do remember that I was actually going to school at that time. I was going to Arapahoe Community College, and I rode the bus there, and so I was waiting at a bus stop at, you know, I don't know, 9 a.m. Uh, mountain time in Colorado and just didn't really watch TV or the news. And so um, waiting at the bus stop, this girl is crying. I'm thinking, hmm, that's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, some random girl is crying Yeah, for some reason. I have no idea why. Um, get on the bus, just go go to school, go to class. There is sort of a weird vibe um, at school, however, eh, you know, and I I think I went to my first class and I don't think we talked about it in my first class. Really? I think so. On 9-11? I don't, re- you know, honestly, I don't recall. I don't recall if it was like that it got canceled and walking in. I do remember there being TVs. I don't remember when I saw the TVs, like I, like in the building. Yeah. And s- and saw them. However, yeah, it was definitely kind of a, a weird twilight where I don't, yeah, so I don't remember if we actually took, had a class and then other classes were canceled or if they were all canceled or, or what. However, hearing about that and it just being kind of surreal. And then I remember going to church on Sunday because we always did that and it being really full you know, it was practically like Easter or Christmas. <laughs> People mm-hmm. went to fucking church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do I do? God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, full church. Fairly full. and Hilarious. There was, yeah, there was a lot. They did talk about the priest. <laughs> I talk fucking about love it. that. Uh, <laughs> You're going to come now? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I think also people were looking for comfort as well. I mean, I think it was a little of both. Anyway, yeah. um, I remember there being just this overwhelming... Um, just emotional energy and the tears and everything. And so um, I was crying just through empathy with the people mm. around me mm-hmm. um, quite a bit by the end of the, of the hour. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I don't, I think at the time talking about like Iraq and, and that kind of stuff. I, again, I was pretty apolitical, so I didn't pay that much attention. I wasn't necessarily saying, oh, that's bullshit. And I wasn't saying, yeah, let's go there. I was just kind of like, eh, like, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. don't really care. Like, um, right. You're like, how am I going to make this giant decision? Yeah. Yeah. And how, right. Like, and I don't have any evidence. And also like, I'm just trying to make it through my life. <laughs> I'm, yeah. li- I'm literally just don't want to kill myself. So yeah, 
that's not my issue today. Uh-huh, for <laughs> you <know>? sure, like, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And I think after, I want to say within a couple years, I was starting to see like, oh, this is bullshit. Oh, so it, a couple years later, that's when I was in southeastern Massachusetts and I was taking classes there and I took like a sociology class. I took a, an American government class, I think. And it just so happened that both of those classes were taught by these two professors who were married and were very um, like atheist Jew activist Massachusetts, New Englanders, you know, educators, professors. And so they really would invite their students and things to come to different rallies or um, whatever events, stuff like that. And that's when I kind of got into activism. And activism is something that I had been interested on a very theoretical level. Ironically, because my dad, I would say, is a pretty uh, strong pro-life ad, um, activist and has been... Um, at least since the 90s, probably since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he still, to this day, once a month, goes to the Planned Parenthood kind of out in Quebec and whatever, and will pray the rosary, like, across the street. Oh, at least he's doing yeah. that. Yeah, he's doing I think he mentioned that to me before. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. acceptable. It's a, th- <laughs> it's a thing. It's a th- yeah, it's a type of activism that he's not yelling, he's not getting in their face, he's not showing people gross pictures. He's just being there and praying. And so, yeah, it's not... Um, offensive. I don't think. I mean, <laughs> not any more offensive than just general, you know, sp- random spiritual practices in public. Uh, yeah. So, however, before that, I mean, he's. I I think I get the impression that that's a much more toned down version of what he was doing. You know, like thirty years ago. Uh, because I think there were there were like demonstrations. You know, maybe. At Civic Center, I'm not sure exactly. Um, I was very young, and I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, however, I actually was kind of proud of him because there was a time when he got arrested, and and now now that I know the story, he wasn't, like, booked or anything. It was mm-hmm. like there was a big group of protesters that were sort of rounded up and just sort of quickly processed, and then were just like, I don't know. I don't know what exactly happened. It wasn't like a real okay, now you go to jail and you have to go to court and you have to get bailed out. It's more just like, we're just going to harass you. Yeah. To harass you. Because we have guns and you don't. Um, and and Big Daddy said we could. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was actually really proud of that because in, like, middle school and high school, I, and I still to this day, really admire Henry David Thoreau and, you know, his activism. Now, granted, his activism, I would say, was actually pro-life since it was to oppose a war. Mm. Um, However, you know, activism is definitely something that I admired and I admired even in my father, even in a um, an issue that the older I've gotten, the more and more I disagree with him. Yeah. I was in, I was a sophomore in high school during Mm -hmm. 9-11, and um, I was in Mr. Melillo's class, and uh, I forget the other teacher's name that came in, but they were like best buds, and because Mr. Melillo's the baseball teacher, and what's his name, was the soccer coach, I mean baseball coach, soccer coach, but I was in history class, 
And so Mr. Melilla's friend, other teacher, of, came in. Of course, he's a history teacher because yeah, it's like the easiest. They're it's all either gym or history, history right? Because they're dudes. Yeah, and it's like, it's like war. Like mm-hmm. that's what history is. <laughs> it's like kings and war right. is what fucking history is. In Yay, the, the patriarchy. Yes, it's all about the Europe, European patriarchy. Um, <laughs> but his friend came in, and I was like, and I was like what are you guys like flirting in class, like passing <laughs> notes because they're whispering to one another and I'm the class idiot. He's also my baseball coach. Oh, so I feel okay. like I can just, Oh, so you just said that. Yeah. Oh, and my God. mom worked oh. in the athletic office. So I oh. feel like I'm just like, oh, okay. I was an asshole. Right. <laughs> You're like, I'm one of you, yeah. whatever. And I was like, are you guys like flirting to each other in the middle of class? It was like 9am mm-hmm. and he, and, and the, the teacher looks at me and he was like, dude, do not joke around. And I was like, Oh, like something bad's going on. Mm. And he left and like Mr. Malillo was like, like there's been there's been like an attack or like there's been like a plane has flown into a building like downtown, and then like we got word that the second one hit, and then we were all being shuffled into an auditorium, mm. and like people are leaving like crying, and we find out it's the World Trade Center was hit. Now we find out that the tower like first tower has gone down, then the second tower, and like mm-hmm. people, a lot of our classmates had parents who live who work there oh god so like at least probably like 20 kids from our school had parents die that day so it was just like chaos and also we're thinking like are they gonna are they gonna like hit the white house is like the president gonna die Mm -hmm. um i was like a part of me was like very excited and the other part was like (laughs) this is fucking crazy like i was just like on alert Mm -hmm. i was like this is nuts um like is this like world war three um and then I didn't even like, then my mom called like, so a teacher was like, Hey, your mom, your mom's calling from the principal's office. So I go in and she was like, I just want you to know that like your dad's fine. And mm. I was like, dad, I was like, I didn't even think about my dad. Mm. And it was because he ran the building next to the world trade center. Oh, okay. And I was thinking like, no, I'm sure he's fine. Like, I don't think any, I, I don't think anybody died who wasn't in the building. Mm-hmm. So I ended up being correct, but I just, it never dawned on me that he might be in danger. Mm-hmm. He had to like evacuate his building. Sure. He had to like run up to, like we, we weren't able to reach him for hours. He mm. contacted us later to let us know he was okay. But it was like, it was fucking nuts. And then, um, since we were like 20 miles, 25 miles from, from ground zero, um, mm-hmm. like, t- and like in a pretty moderate like there were definitely a lot of Bloomberg supporters in my town where I grew up. So like, it's just like a moderate Democrat. Like there's a lot of immigrants, but everyone's like very wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was like definitely a lot of people who were like really angry and like ready to like cool with going to war. And a lot of kids in my age who were like, do we like join the army and like go start like fucking shit up around the world? Like, <laughs> what do we do here? Espe- especially kids that you do specifically. Oh, yeah. That time. yeah. <laughs> um, well, not not all of my fr- like I had a diverse group of friends. Some of right. them were artsy and nerds, but a lot of them were guidos. Right. We wore, <laughs> we wore was, gold okay. chains. It wasn't all the meatheads. Okay, no, it was the meatheads. Well, but I'm just saying, but it, was it wasn't the nerds just that, meatheads. Yeah, the so nerds were not into it. The meatheads were right. Say, but although all of us were pretty like, oh, this is bullshit. I think I can't remember what ev- other people thought, but. It was like the, it was like six months later that we were talking about going into Iraq. Oh, okay. And right, I remember right. I was like sixteen, being like, "That's fucked up." I was obsessed with the news at that time. Oh, okay. Um, I knew like every like, polit like, I knew Dick Army. He was like the fucking defense guy who was like under Rumsfeld. Like I knew mm. like all all about 
the hierarchy. <laughs> and um, I was just like, this is bullshit. Like, they don't, they don't need to go into Iraq for, like, when... It's totally unrelated to... 15 of the terrorists were Saudis who we, like, protect. And mm-hmm. then I started getting into, like, Michael Moore. Okay. Because um, he did... He did the bullying for Columbine. He did right. Fahrenheit 9-11. Um, so anyway, yeah, that 9-11 was crazy. But I I knew pretty quickly that, like, I wasn't down for the imperialism mm. and the response. Um, I wanted to ask you about not only 9-11, but also Columbine. Yeah, actually. Because you grew up, like, what, next door to there? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was just about to bring that up because as you were talking about uh, 9-11 happening your sophomore year so. Uh, that Columbine happened my junior year. And actually at the time, I didn't literally know where Columbine High School was. Okay, I knew it was nearby. I knew that it was in Littleton and that that was close by. Uh, however, I'd never driven there. I'd never had any reason to. Yeah. So, so it was, it was in the spring. In the spring, we do a musical. I was in theater. And, and I think it happened... Actually, I'm not sure what time it happened. I feel like, I feel like it didn't really affect us almost until the afternoon, though, when we were theater, and mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a big hey, everybody stop and turn on your television. At least not at first. I don't know what time it started. I just remember being after school and being like, oh hi, what's happening? You know, mm-hmm. who's this? And and that's something that. It was, I didn't know anyone who went there. However, I was on the internet a lot, and my friends knew that I lived in Littleton. Yeah. And they did not know where I went to high school, because sure. how would you know? I mean, and, and there's actually a, quite a few high schools in Littleton. However, you know, you wouldn't know if you're not from here. Right. So, so I definitely got messages, you know, and, and phone calls and things mm-hmm. um, on on the muds and from different people about, hey, are you okay? You know, what's going on and all that stuff. And so that's that's what I noticed most about that one. Uh, and that was even closer to home. And it still was just one of those, eh? yeah. like, what does this mean? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, okay. Like, there are guys in my school who are weird and gothy and wear those trench coats. And, like, yeah, I'm not particularly afraid of them. I just, you know... Uh-huh. Eh, you know, like, uh-huh. so, so even being closer, it still wasn't like as close as 9-11 was to you with mm-hmm. knowing, you know, people, you know, friends who had people die that day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, however, that was, I would say more of my sort of personal disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Type yeah. Story. That's weird. We were both close to like two mm-hmm. of the biggest. Mm-hmm. American disasters. And so one of the things that came out of Columbine, just coincidentally, uh, is there is a like a vanity plate in Colorado that has a Columbine and the, the purple oh, right. blue Columbine is the state oh, flower of Colorado and, you know, Columbine High School. So Newsroom Sugar has a Columbine uh, flower on it and then it says respect life. And I think that in some ways, you know, like the pro-life movement got together with uh, this, the tragedy of that, and supported this respect life uh, bumper sticker. So, or not bumper sticker, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. a license plate. Yeah. And so, honestly, whenever I see one of those license plates, I always wonder to myself, like, is that somebody who actually cares about gun control? 
or is that somebody who hates abortion? Right. Because my dad is somebody who has one of those license plates, and he definitely does not, like, he doesn't support abortion. That's why he has that um, license plate. And the gun control thing, eh. I mean, he's also, I'm not saying he doesn't want gun control. I'm just going to say. It's also, more about abortion. Well, he also is a member of the NRA. <laughs> so it's not about gun control. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that's Colorado for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's really, mm-hmm. that's that's where we I, live. I do call it the purplest state in the union. It is so purple, but only in demographics because it will be blue mm-hmm. from now on. Yeah, thank in God. Like most respects, I think. Thank God. Sweet. Um. I have to get going. I have I have a float tank appointment. Okay. I've never I've did oh. I did sensory deprivation tank uh-huh. once in college, and I haven't done it in fifteen years. So I'm okay. really excited to try it again. Tom Tancredo, that's the asshole that I couldn't think of the name uh, of. Lunch. That's where I grew. It. I grew up in the place with the people who elected Tom Tancredo. Tommy. Yeah, that piece of human garbage. So. Yeah, that's I'm so glad he got that out. Yeah, me too. I just <laughs> thought of it. So that gives that will give you so much insight into what it was like where I was growing up <laughs> in the <laughs> politics of the situation. Uh, do you think you're going to want to do the podcast again? Maybe. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should. This yeah, is fun. This was good. All right. Well, that's uh, that's all we're going to do today. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Joy. <laughs> Thank you, AJ. Well, this has been the Unnecessary Podcast. And we're going back to I'm Awesome by Spose to play us out. Bye, everyone. Even though that went out of style like 10 years ago. Spose, I got the swagger of a cripple. I got little biceps getting fatter in the middle. And lyrically, I'm not the best. Physically, the opposite of Randy Moss. And yet, so preposterous. Feel the awesomeness. The most obnoxious guest up at the Sausage Fest. Oh, yes. The girls are repulsed, so I hide in my hood like I'm joining a cult. Uh-huh. I'm as nervous as